Hello! And it's a day, isn't it? I can't remember which, because they're all blending into one another. But the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and I'm sitting quietly in the shed. So, let's have... Ooh, yes. Chapter 11. I guess we'll just begin. Chapter 11. The Temporo Transnavigational Vehicular Engine. Mildew and Sponge found a quiet spot in the cloisters to plan their next move. Mildew explained that it was traditional for a detective to confront the criminal and accuse him, or indeed her, of his or her crime face to face. But isn't that frightfully dangerous? asked Sponge. Mildew nodded. Yes, he replied, but we detectives laugh in the face of danger, Sponge. We do? Sponge felt that they might be more of the whimpering in the face of danger types, but he was keen not to let Mildew down, so followed him to Mr Luckless's classroom, where they found their history teacher musing. Sir, said Mildew, we're sorry to interrupt your musing, but I'm afraid the game is up. The game? said Mr Luckless. Whatever can you mean? We know about Miss Livia and the attic. What, who, where, how, what, who, how? There's no need to gibber, sir, said Mildew. We saw you creeping down the stairs, remember? The night we looked for Enderpenny's so-called ghost. But what's that got to do with Miss Love You? I mean, Livia. I believe the carpet you were carrying contained Miss Livia, sir, said Mildew. That you and she are scheming together and that she is posing as a preposterously fetching Latin teacher. All right, all right, said Mr Luckless. You've forced it out of me, I confess. You stole the school spoon, cried Mildew and Sponge in unison. What? said Mr Luckless. No, of course I didn't. Then what are you confessing to, sir? said Mildew. To travelling back in time, said Mr Luckless, to being bewitched. And with that he collapsed into pitiful sobbing. Mildew and Sponge looked on, equally baffled. What do you mean, sir? said Sponge, not wanting to dwell on the bewitched part of the confession. Travelling back in time? Just that, said Mr Luckless. I have journeyed into the past. Have you been drinking coffee again, sir? asked Sponge. No, I swear, said Mr Luckless. But no one can travel in time. That's impossible, isn't it? said Mildew. A few weeks ago I'd have agreed with you, Mildew, said Mr Luckless, and some days I wish it was a dream from which I will awake. But I need to tell someone, and as my most loyal, if not my brightest pupils, it might as well be you. Mr Luckless asked the boys to take a seat, which they did. It was a moment or two before Mr Luckless was able to continue. "'It touches on the death of poor Mr Particle,' said Mr Luckless. "'You were shocked to hear of his demise, I'm sure.' "'Of course, sir,' said Mildew, "'although I did owe him homework, so...' "'He was a very private person, but we forged a friendship,' said Mr Luckless, frowning at Mildew. "'When I went to collect his belongings from his room, "'I discovered a small wooden box with an accompanying letter addressed to me, "'telling me to open it in the event of his death, and so I did.' "'And what was in the box, sir?' asked Sponge. A large key and a note in Mr Particle's spidery handwriting. The note read, This is the key to the boffy at the far end of the sports field. You will find everything in there. My notebook explains it all. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. The boffy? said Sponge. Yes, said Mr Luckless. It's that small outbuilding at the far end of the sports field. You may not even have noticed it. Neither of the boys had noticed it. The sports field was a place of great emotional trauma for both of them, and they committed little of what went on there or its environs to the memory. 
I had, of course, not the slightest inkling of what that everything I would find there might be. I had known he had a little workshop he took himself off to when the school day ended, but neither I nor any of the other staff have ever received an invitation to enter it. I naturally assumed that the place would turn out to be full of books and scholarly studies, and there were indeed many items of that kind, but nothing could have prepared me for the sight of the curious machine at the centre of the room. Machine, sir, said Mildew. What kind of machine? Mr. Luckless grabbed both boys by their arms and pulled them close with a sudden violence, staring into their eyes with a wild intensity. A machine for travelling through time, he cried. I call it a temporo-transnavigational vehicular engine. Not time machine, suggested Sponge. Mr. Luckless stared at him for a moment. Well, I suppose one could call it that. Could we see it, sir? said Sponge. Yes, said Mr. Luckless after a moment's thought. It is a marvel, an incredible marvel, but it has also become a terrible burden. I'm a simple man, boys. It has all become too much. It feels better to share it with you. Mr. Particle was the only member of staff I could confide in, but you must agree to absolute secrecy. Of course, sir, said Mildew. Mildew and Sponge accompanied Mr. Luckless through the school and out across the sports field to where, sure enough, there was a small dilapidated bothy. The boys entered the building after their teacher and could see straight away where several of the recently stolen school items had ended up. The machine was essentially a high-backed leather armchair, the Reverend Brimstone's chair in fact, but underneath the chair and attached to it at the sides were all manner of cogs and levers and dials. Largest amongst these dials was the instantly recognisable face of the hall clock. So it was Mr Particle who stole all the school stuff, said Mildew. Who'd have thought it? I think stole is perhaps unfair. Utilised without permission would be more accurate. So it was Mr Particle who utilised the school spoon, cried Mildew and Sponge in unison. The school spoon, said Mr Luckless. I'm afraid Mr Particle had passed away before the theft of the school spoon. He is not your thief, and neither is Livia before you start. Mildew and Sponge sighed. The mystery seemed to be getting deeper rather than shallower. A machine that travels full time, said Sponge, wide-eyed, turning back to the chair. How amazing! Where would you go, Mildew? Ooh, said Mildew, putting a fist on either hip and jutting out his jaw. What about London, when Sir Francis Drake and all those Elizabethan chaps were about? Or Egypt, when the pharaohs were in charge? Or the Battle of Hastings, said Mildew, from a safe distance. Or... I'm sorry to disappoint you, boys, said Mr Luckless, but the Temporo Transnava... Uh, the time machine only travels through time. It can't travel in space. Mr Particle was very specific about that. Can't travel in space, said Mildew. What do you mean, sir? I mean that it can only travel along the timeline of this actual place, of the school, nowhere else. Mildew and Sponge looked at the machine, then each other, then the machine again. What had seemed utterly amazing only minutes before now seemed not quite so utterly amazing. But what's the point of that, sir? said Mildew. It's the dullest place in the world and probably always has been. It's true that it has been very dull for quite a long time. Leaving aside loopy Lord Maudlin a century ago, Maudlin Towers and its environs was pretty dull until one gets back to medieval times. But every time I arrived there, they seemed to have the plague or some such, so I decided to go back further still. Wait, said Sponge. You've been back to Roman times, haven't you, sir? Mr Luckless nodded and put his hand over his mouth, stifling a giggle. I have, he said. I really have. That's why your lessons stopped being so... Mildew stopped, unable to finish the sentence. Boring, said Mr. Luckless. It's quite all right. I know it's true. I was a boring teacher. I was awful. But now I have you in the palm of my hands. Oh, you don't know what it's like, boys. Mildew peered at the machine, craning to see behind. 
How is it powered, sir? said Mildew. I can't see a steam engine of any kind. Well, Mr Particle explained that it's powered by bursts of energy in the brain, when the brain is befuddled and stressed. So it's powered by confusion, said Sponge. I suppose it is, said Mr Luckless, in a manner of speaking. How did you know how to work it, sir? The details are here, said Mr Luckless, in this book. He pointed to a small leather-bound notebook hanging by a length of string from the arm of the chair. And the Roman lady, said Sponge, the one you told us about in cloth. That's Miss Livia, isn't it? Mr Luckless nodded. But how on earth did she come to be here, sir? said Mildew. I bought her back. I'm in love with her, declared Mr Luckless. There, I've said it. Mildew and Sponge exchanged a glance, not entirely sure how they were supposed to respond, and wishing Mr Luckless had chosen someone else to declare this to. Then I wonder, perhaps, said Mildew, after a moment, keen to change the subject, if you might also have bought a Viking back with you. I haven't. I haven't been back to Viking times, only Roman, said Mr Luckless. You can see the device. I would know if there was a Viking with me. But then how did Miss Livia travel back? Uh, forward with you, sir, said Sponge. There only appears to be one for one. She, that is, uh, she, uh, um, sat on my lap. Both boys blushed, and Mildew struggled without complete success to stop himself smirking. Smirk away, Mildew, said Mr Luckless, frowning. I'm not ashamed. My love for Livia is a fine thing, a pure thing, a noble thing. But to bring her back to school, sir, said Mildew, I know. I had said my farewells just as I was about to leave. Livia leapt onto my lap and, well, here we are. And now that she's here, I haven't had quite the heart to send her back. I had asked her to be quiet in the attic, but she's very hot-blooded, you know. Mildew shook his head. Why grown men made such fools of themselves over the female of the species, he would never understand. But, sir, said Mildew, you can't keep a Roman lady in the school. We aren't even allowed pets, said Sponge, so it would hardly be fair. No, he agreed. You're right, of course. Uh, but Livia is very much her own woman. She wants to be here. She's not my prisoner. It's all a frightful mess. What am I to do? What am I to do? Here Mr Luckless gave himself up to terrible sobbing. What am I to do? What am I to do? He wailed. Mildew and Sponge looked at each other awkwardly and Mildew placed a hand on Mr Luckless's shoulder, as he had seen his mother do when his father was sobbing terribly. There, there, sir, he said. It can't be as bad as all that. But privately, Mildew thought that it probably was as bad as all that, and quite possibly worse. Mr Luckless took out a handkerchief and bassooned into it. He slowly returned to a state of relative calm, straightening his collar and moustache. But, sir, said Sponge, it's only a matter of time before someone realises... See, isn't a Latin teacher at all, but a Roman lady. And the pen is already recognised her as a ghost. "'Merciful heavens!' said Mr Luckless. "'She must go back, I know, but she's being very difficult. "'She refuses to let me take her back to her own time. "'She's very forceful, but she can't want to spend her days in Magdalen Towers. "'Who in their right mind would? "'I may have promised to take her to Rome.' "'Rome?' said Mildew. "'I may have done, in a weaker moment, and she was very keen on the idea, very keen. "'She's very hard to say no to.' "'Was she not happy in Rome and Cumberland?' asked Sponge. She wasn't enjoying Britannia at all, I'm afraid, especially not this particular damp and draughty bit of it. Who can blame her? said Mildew. But won't Rome be a trifle different nowadays? said Sponge. Mr Luckless put his hand on his forehead and nodded. I've tried to explain that to her, said Mr Luckless, but she refuses to accept what I'm saying. My Latin is not quite up to the task, and her English... 
It must be very confusing for her, said Sponge. I'm certainly confused, said Mildew. I think we all are, Mildew, said Mr Luckless. The three of them stood, pondering their communal confusion. I shall try and get her to accept that she needs to go back, said Mr Luckless, attempting to apply some firmness to the set of his jaw. Although things will seem very dull without her. My mother always says there's a lot to be said for dullness, said Mildew. Mr Luckless nodded sagely. She may be right, Mildew. She may be right. Chapter 12. Christmas is cancelled. It feels very satisfying to have solved our very first mystery, said Sponge as they walked to assembly the following day. But we haven't, have we? said Mildew. We've solved the mystery of Enderpenny's ghost, but we weren't really trying to solve that one. And to be fair, Enderpenny was on the way to solving that himself. We are no nearer to solving the mystery of the school spoon, are we, Sponge? I suppose not, said Sponge. When you put it like that. We haven't even solved the mystery of the Viking in the ha-ha. No, agreed Sponge. We aren't very good detectives, are we? Don't be too hard on yourself, Sponge, whispered Mildew as they took their places. Reverend Brimstone was in a particularly enthusiastic mood. And your sin-stained souls will be the playthings of cruelly imaginative demons for all eternity. You shall be toasted like marshmallows before the everlasting bonfires of hell. And so on and so on. Eventually, Reverend Brimstone simply ran out of breath and collapsed like a deflated balloon into a nearby chair. Thank you, Padre, said the headmaster with a smile. A lot to think about, as always. The headmaster looked at the assembled boys. It is with great regret that I have to inform you that no one has come forward either to confess or with information that might lead to the restoration of the school spoon, and no one has been discovered to be the thief. It has been suggested to me that my threat to inform parents was too severe, so I have decided I will not carry this out. There was a mighty cheer from the assembled boys. I have instead decided that there will be no Christmas holiday this year. You will all remain at Magdalen Towers for the duration. There was a gasp. Not just from the boys, either. The staff knew that they would be forced to stay as well and they looked forward to escaping the dank hallways of Magdalen Towers as much as any of the boys. The hall emptied in dismal silence. Mildew, said Sponge afterwards, his lips quivering like jelly deals. I simply have to have a Christmas holiday. It's all that keeps me going. Mildew nodded. I always go to my Aunt Bernard's, said Sponge. She's the only spongely part work to really understand Christmas. She dresses up as phantom and paints her beard white. We always have a lovely time. I shall not survive the rest of the year without it, Mildew. Mildew sighed. Even his own dour, mirthless parents relaxed their grim routine for Christmas, and Mildew shared Sponge's dread of going without. Like all the pupils at Magdalen Towers, he had heard terrible tales of boys whose parents had left them at school for Christmas, and the gloomy and joyless holiday they had been forced to endure. Mildew saw an opportunity for he and Sponge to be heroes, and was determined to grasp it. They simply had to discover the thief and free the boys, and more importantly themselves, from this terrible fate. But I don't understand, said Furthermore as he passed by. Why did the headmaster not summon our parents? Hmm, said Mildew, you have a point there, that is odd. Very, 
said Furthermore. It's almost as though he didn't want parents snooping about the place for some reason. Maybe he doesn't want them to find out about the ghosts. Furthermore chuckled to himself and wandered off. If only we could see who had taken the spoon, said Sponge. Indeed, said Mildew. We need one of those fortune-teller people, said Sponge. What good would that do, said Mildew? That would only be useful if the theft hadn't happened. They see into the future, but it's already taken place. Yes, said Sponge. If only we had some way of seeing into the past. The two boys stared at each other wide-eyed. Of course, the time machine, said Sponge. There's only one thing for it, declared Mildew. Someone must go back in time to just before the theft took place and foil the criminal. That's very brave of you, Mildew, said Sponge. Of me, said Mildew. I was thinking more that someone of your small stature would travel quicker. Oh, I'm not sure that's how it works, said Sponge. And if it did, then probably a taller person would be better suited. How's that, said Mildew. The extra weight would stop the time machine wobbling about. You imagine that the time machine wobbles about in time? It might. You don't know. Mildew had to admit that he didn't. We could both go, said Sponge. Both, said Mildew. There's no room. I could sit on your lap, said Sponge. You will most definitely not sit on my lap, said Mildew. Just because Luckless's Roman lady sat on his lap doesn't mean the world has gone mad. I shall pretend you never said that. I apologise unreservedly, Mildew, said Sponge. Accepted, said Mildew. Sponge studied his shoelaces for a moment or two. But it doesn't matter about laps or whatnot, said Sponge, because neither of us knows how to use the machine. Mildew waved this argument away as though it were a sleepy wasp. Pish, he pished. How hard can it be? Old Luckless figured it out and he's not exactly the sharpest splinter in the toe, is he? True, said Sponge. That's very true. Come on, Sponge, said Mildew, there's no time to lose. Sooner or later, Luckless will finally take his Roman girlfriend home, and then who knows whether he will return. This may be our only chance to use the time machine. Mildew and Sponge sneaked past the headmaster's office, out the front door, and edged along the side of the building until they reached the corner and could see the bothy across the sports field. We need to move at a greater speed than normal, Sponge, said Mildew. Are you up to the task? I think so, said Sponge, stealing himself. The two boys set off at a brisk lope, and it was almost a minute before they stopped doubled up and gasping. I can't go on, gasped Sponge. Leave me here. I shall stay here and die alone. Nonsense, Sponge, old friend, gasped Mildew. We shall die together. You boys, yelled a voice like an elephant exploding in a tunnel. Mildew and Sponge turned to see Mr. Stupendo marching towards them. What are you doing in the lower sports field before noon? Mildew and Sponge searched each other's faces for clues as to how they might answer and found nothing of any practical use. Well, bellowed Mr. Stupendo. We're going for a run, said Sponge, surprising himself almost as much as Mildew. A run, said Stupendo. You? Uh, yes, sir, said Sponge. We, we, we have been wanting to get fitter, sir. Really? said Mr. Stupendo, and why would that be? Yes, said Mildew. Uh, why was that again, Sponge? Because, because, because we've decided to enter the annual fell-running tournament, sir. 
Mr. Chupendo stared at Sponge for some considerable time, and then put his hands on his hips, burst into frighteningly enthusiastic laughter. Well, that's excellent news, he said when he'd calmed himself down. I'll put your names on the list right now. On with your training, boys. You'll need it. Whoever comes last has to run it again from the start. Mr. Stupendo strolled away towards the school. Mildew glared at Sponge, and then, after a goodly amount of time, glared at him some more. A fell running tournament, Sponge, he said. I panicked, said Sponge. What are we going to do, said Mildew? I shan't survive an ordeal like that. My knees. Me neither, said Sponge. I get dizzy running downhill. When have you ever run downhill? I'm not sure, said Sponge, but I can imagine it vividly, and it's horrid. Sponge staggered about dizzily. Mildew groaned like a wounded walrus. Let's not think about it just now, said Sponge eventually. Let's stick to our plan. We'll worry about old Stupendo at a later date. Mildew nodded. Very well, he said, but if it's all the same to you, I think we should forego the running and proceed at a swift amble. Agreed said Sponge, and so the boys arrived at the bothy and the time machine, finding everything as it had last been. Right, said Mildew, let's see how this thing works. Both boys flicked through the book and stared at the time machine with what each hoped might suggest serious deliberation. Several minutes later, there they remain. It looks frightfully difficult, said Sponge. Chin up, said Mildew, come on, let's prod a few bits of the time machine and see what happens. Do you think that's wise? said Sponge, wiping his nose. The British Empire was founded on people who had the courage to prod things without worrying about the consequences, Sponge. Come on, we must be brave. Mildew sat on the chair and peered at the workings on either side of him. You see here, Sponge, he said, looking at the diagrams in the book and then to the selection of clock faces to his right. I think these must signify the time. Look, there's a couple of places marked here. They're in different handwritings. One must be luckless's and the other particles. But it all seems very confusing, said Sponge. It's powered by confusion, said Mildew, moving the hand on the clock to the time noted in the book. Don't you remember? It ought to go like a dream. I'll meet you in the library when I'm finished. Wish me... I wonder what this lever does, said Sponge, pulling on said lever. There was a bright flash and a whine like a small dog with a cold falling down a well, and Mildew blinked once or twice, momentarily blinded, and found that Sponge and the bothy had disappeared, and were now replaced by a large group of rather grumpy folk, who at a cursory glance led Mildew to suppose were, in all probability, Vikings. The machine must have taken Mildew back to one of the places Particle had recorded in the book, so he was the Viking connection, not luckless. Greetings, said Mildew, standing up. I come in peace. The crowd growled. Mildew flinched. I'm a friend of Mr Particle, said Mildew. There was much murmuring at this pronouncement. They clearly knew who Particle was, but as they grabbed Mildew and led him away, he didn't get the impression that they liked him very much. And that is the end of chapter 12. Chapter 13 will come tomorrow. Speak to you soon. Goodbye!